Welcome back, everybody. We are the Kirk Student Ministry Podcast. We are here with Molly Fitzy, who I had the pleasure of meeting at Stephen Moss's mm-hmm. conference back in, what was that, November? I think it was November. Yep. November. And so we've already listened to Stephen Moss talk a little bit about sexual identity mm-hmm. and where we met, Molly and I. We we were able to talk a lot. We were sitting at the same table mm-hmm. and we were able to kind of discuss our similar type of work of working with youth. And she comes from the counseling side of things. Mm-hmm. So I was very impressed with her experience and very impressed with the, the amount of time that she spends with students. And so, of course, we wanted her to come in and bring her expertise and sit with sit with us on this podcast and and further the conversation about relationships and kind of wrap up our love month for us. So uh, Molly, I'll hand it over to you to introduce yourself. What do you want our people to know about you? Okay. Thank you very much for having me. So my name is Molly Fitzy and I am the seventh and eighth grade school counselor at Westminster Christian Academy. I have been a school counselor in Christian education for this is my 13th year and um, I love it. So basically, the beautiful part about my job is that I'm not your typical guidance counselor that you might find in a public school or even a non-religious private school. Um, I really get to walk with students daily, Monday through Friday, struggles that they're going through, or rejoice with them when things are really great. And the fact that it's in an academic environment is even better because... It's easier to hone in on kids because when they're academically slipping, we know something's going on. So I feel like I get to be involved in their lives daily, but also get to, I get to hear the brokenness, but I also get to cheer them on because there are a lot of good things going on too. Yeah, absolutely. So So to back up a little bit Mm -hmm. and uh, to talk about our experience with Steven at his conference, mm-hmm. A Place to Belong. We were both kind of late to the conference, and mm-hmm. so naturally all the latecomers sit at the same table. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of funny how it ends up that way. And I had noticed her name tag had said Molly, which I had actually heard about Molly in several different situations. And all of those situations were saying, you have to meet this person. Hmm. Everything she has to say is gold. Oh, my um, goodness. That is very nice. Yeah. And... Even in the couple of hours that uh, we were able to spend together, uh, everything that kind of bubbled to the surface, it always seemed to wrap around social media a mm-hmm. little bit. And that's probably due to the nature of her work. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, in, in reality, she has spent a lot of time thinking about this and, mm-hmm. and seeing the results of the interaction of students and social media and how it affects relationships. So that's what we're bringing mm-hmm. her in on. But I'm really excited about that. And we'll get to that in a minute. Mm-hmm. But let's talk about your job in general. Mm-hmm. So you work with 7th and 8th grade yes. uh, students at Westminster, mm-hmm. which is a Christian school, 7th through 12th, but mm-hmm. you work with just the middle schoolers. Yes. And how long have you been in that particular position? This is my third year back. Okay. I was um, at Westminster in the early 2000s when mm-hmm. they were on the, the old campus on Ladue. The old campus, yeah. And so that was 2002 to 2006. At that point, my husband and I, we had our first child, our daughter, and so I was a stay-at-home mom for just probably a good four years, but for that first year, I was totally with her. Then um, another school called Central Christian School in Clayton, Mm -hmm. which is also a private Christian school. It is a three-year-old through sixth grade uh, private Christian school, and they had asked me, would you please come just for about five hours a week to help with two classes, and then that added each year. And then I stopped for a little bit um, when I had my son and then had another child and then went back to Central for about 30 hours a week. And I was there for a total of six years and then now a third year back. So I've been in school counseling, but this is my third year back at Westminster. Yeah. And and in your tenure there, Mm -hmm. I don't know when you start using the word tenure, but let's just go ahead and say that. I love it. It makes Uh, me sound really professional. It it has felt that way. And um, as a lot of people know, I worked at Westminster as a coach for Mm -hmm. four years and my time there. But we've definitely come across a lot of the same students. Mm -hmm. I've probably coached uh, a lot of students that have been in Molly's office Mm -hmm. 
there's probably students, there are definitely students uh, that come through the Kirk that have been through your office. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean a bad thing. Mm -mm. Um, no, if somebody comes into your office, that doesn't mean a bad thing. Mm -hmm. What, what are the, you talked about this briefly, but what is, what are, what is the, um, spectrum of people coming through your door? What does it look like? What are they coming to you with? Mm -hmm. So I tell parents and kids, you know, and typically in schools, if you go, go see the counselor, you're in trouble. And I am not a disciplinarian at all. So I let them know, like, think of me like a mom away from home. When those emotions are just bottled up or you're worried about something, you are welcome to come in my office and talk about things. I'm not necessarily going to fix anything, but talking is just so healthy. I see a lot of different things. Um, the the biggest, of course, anxiety. Hmm. Anxiety is just off the charts. Of course, um, in this day and age with social media, I see some sadness slash diagnosed depression, but I feel like it goes hand in hand with anxiety. Hmm. Uh, there is a good amount of cutting, hmm. sadly. Um, is that a result of anxiety or yes. a result of a lot of other things? It is a result of anxiety. Okay. The third would probably be wanting to end their lives. Hmm. I don't think it is a true 100% suicidal, really wanting to end their lives. I think this generation was born into everything happening instantly. Mm -hmm. So the moment life gets very hard, they don't know what it means to just sit in the struggle, to sit in the suffering, to sit in the discomfort for them to say, I just want to die. I hear them, but I have to walk them through that language of, do you really want to die? Because here are the consequences that the rest of us will feel when you're gone. But if you're wanting to just be done with this moment of struggle, that's a whole different topic. <laughs> you don't have to say, I just want to die. Yeah. So I do think there are some kids that really do want to die. The pressures today are too difficult. But a larger percentage are kids that really just want to be done with the struggling and the suffering that instant gratification, that instant fix. And so I, I really try to help them with their language and to sit in it and to know they're going to be okay, but it's going to hurt and it's going to be really uncomfortable, but they're going to live. So you, you're, you're drawing a, a vast difference between wanting to, to die in the moment right, and actually feelings of suicide. Right. You say that and that so many things, times um, I've been in youth ministry this is my 12th year and just the difference from when I started doing youth ministry and to now just this year alone I've probably heard from many many kids you know kill me now mm -hmm. um, the mention of suicide I'm suicidal yeah that type of thing has you know has skyrocketed mm -hmm. and I think mm -hmm. what you're saying is is very true is mm -hmm. they don't actually want mm. to some of them right. may sure that, i think may. it's a small Absolutely. percentage um, but in in reality mm -hmm. uh, they just want to be removed from that feeling or be removed from that moment right and what's sad about that mm -hmm. and this is you can correct me on this yeah. what's sad about that is those that are immediate reactionaries mm -hmm. they may act on that feeling absolutely um, and that's where we why we have such a influx mm -hmm. of suicides is because right. um, they haven't been given the proper coping mechanisms to deal with Correct. suffering. Correct. I could get into the realm of that is one of the reasons why youth sports are good. Mm -hmm. We've already done a podcast on youth sports and actually we're going to do a follow-up one, but that it does teach that character of, you know, how to persevere mm -hmm. um, there are definitely a lot of other things aside from sports but that yeah. is one thing that sports does a really good job of I mm -hmm. say that from my years of experience mm -hmm. that is just that is really disheartening but also mm -hmm. encouraging to realize you know um, when a kid says that it's like well you don't actually mean that and right. we can name that we can um, name that or we can ask like well what are you trying what are you wanting to remove yourself from mm-hmm and, and if, let's talk about it. Yeah, let's talk about it. Yep. Because it also leads to a greater discussion of really kids today have a lot of pressures with perfectionism, mm -hmm. with trying to get the right grades. Um, and I see that a lot. They really are not interested in learning. 
if they need to get an A, they will do what it takes to get an A. If that means cheating, if that means cutting corners, you know, whatever it is, I feel like that's really ramping up more than, I want to say, when we were growing up. But, John, you're, what, we're in a, different, a decade? Yeah, time. we're in a different generation. That's okay. <laughs> that's cool. Uh, Listen. That's, that's okay. Iron sharpening iron. Yeah. Um, I'm also in a different generation than the current yes, youth. So, yes. Yeah. But point being... It is easier to cheat. It's just a lot easier to cheat nowadays. And so kids miss out on learning. They miss out on that character building. Yeah. So much of what the gospel talks about, that that's where the sanctification happens. That's where the change happens. It's when we're broken. Mm. It's when life is really horrible and we are clinging to God. Mm. And kids today don't know what that means. But you know what's also sad? There are a lot of parents that don't know what that means. Mm. So I'm finding that just as I'm discipling, mentoring, counseling, listening to these kids, I'll have parents in my office with tears in their eyes saying, could you counsel me? And I realize, hmm, curious to know what church you go to, curious to know where your relationship with the Lord is. Like, I'm just really curious. Yeah. Just because these kids go to a Christian school doesn't mean that they really are Christians. They either have one professing parent, but even that doesn't mean anything. Yeah. Because I don't really know where the relationship with the Lord is. But the, the longer I'm there, I realize my mission field might as well be a public school. Yeah. Not really. The faculty and staff are solid yeah. believers who are pouring into these kids. You know, that's what parents are wanting. They're wanting a Christian education. But that doesn't mean that the student body yeah. is going to be a godly student body. It's a mission field. Yeah. Yeah. You, you're, you're setting things off in my mind that I'm not going to, to bring up at this point. But I think what you're saying is very true that uh, no matter what, you know, space that you're called to, no matter what, even when you enter into a church... You're entering in, because we live in a fallen, broken world, mm -hmm. you're entering into a mission field, mm -hmm. even though the, statistically there's probably going to be more Christians around you than in other places. Right. It doesn't lessen the the call to be missional in that moment. Right. Let's step back and talk about the perfectionism. Mm -hmm. I'm very fascinated about that. I We were just talking about this before we started recording this mm -hmm. was... You know, uh, if you if you're familiar with the Enneagram, um, mm -hmm. if you're if you're not, go look it up. It's fascinating. Yes. Find out a little bit a little bit more about who you are and why you're the why are the way that you are. But a, a, a number one is perfectionist. They are always striving to do that. And my I my dad is definitely number one. I was raised by a perfectionist, and and so I, I get a little bit of that. But in in reality. Uh, perfectionism has just consumed all of, especially the community that we're in. If we're in West County, if we're at Westminster, if we're um, even if we're at the Parkways, um, it has just consumed this part of America as far as perfecting yourself or at least creating a facade right. that you're perfect. Right. Um, what What is causing that? What is driving that? Mm. Well, of course, like. Art imitates life, which imitates art. We, whatever is on TV, whatever is on our screens, our smartphones, I mean, even athletes, professional athletes, I just feel like anyone that's in the public eye watching them and seeing how far they have come, we think that's the finish line or that's the level we should aspire to be. So that's one piece. I also think it's our parents. Hmm. You know, our parents are very fit. We live in a very health-conscious time, which is good. I'm not knocking that. But when it becomes completely about what I'm putting in my body, how does my body look, I do think it comes goes back to our parents being very health-conscious, which is good. But when it becomes about being so health-conscious that it helps the figure, and that becomes our main focus our idol, if you will. Mm -hmm. And that becomes more important than our time with the Lord, our relationship with God. We're, we're missing the boat. Secondly, a lot of kids today, if you notice, they really do not have acne. You know, I was growing up, you know, I'm, I'm a high school graduate, uh, class of 1995. 
um, born in 76. Everyone had pimples, whiteheads, blackheads, everyone. And you might have done some clearasil. You might have done some retin-A if you went to see a dermatologist. But even then, it wasn't a time where things cleared up so quickly. And nowadays, I am just, I really am amazed that these kids have flawless skin. And then, of course, you look at a lot of the moms. Well, you know what? I, I shouldn't be too sexist. Moms and dads. I mean, there's not one wrinkle. And we're talking adults in their 50s. Nothing wrong with a wrinkle. And if Botox is what you're doing, okay. But when children see that, that's another you know, level to aspire to, that it's like, oh, that must be what I should be. That's what, you know, wrinkles must be bad. Acne must be horrible. Perfectly straight and white teeth must be what I should have. This certain figure, I should be eating this and not this. And so all these rules is really my point, John. Like all these rules, these kids are carrying these rules. Well, when they're 12 years old, 13 years old, 14, 15, 16, that's really a lot of pressure for these tiny little brains that are not fully developed, much less their hearts, their character, their mm -hmm. personalities. These are the years they're supposed to fail. They're supposed to make mistakes. You know, they're supposed to have the pimples and the unibrow for a while. And, <laughs> you know, girls are going to come to school with a little mustache and so are the guys. And, I mean, there's a definitely a, a time to help them yeah. and say, you know what, sister, we're going to work on that little stash tonight, you know, uh -huh. or, you know, walking with these guys and having a little fun with it instead of it being this black or white issue of like, you shouldn't have a pimple. You shouldn't, hmm. you know, have a little muffin top when you're a freshman in high school. You shouldn't. And it's all these like shouldn't, shouldn'ts. And these kids get into, again, all of these rules. And so I think it just spirals out of control the standard that the parents are creating yes. can create anxiety. Yes. Even even if the standard is good. Yes. Um, not being who their parents are. Right. It creates anxiety in and of itself. Mm -hmm. I can totally relate to that and that, you know <laughs> uh, you're a counselor and I've been through counseling. Mm -hmm. Um and it, it is amazing how a lot of you know, our, our issues that we work through in counseling mm -hmm. always fall back to how we were raised mm -hmm. by our parents yes. or lack thereof yeah. raised by our parents. And it, it's just fascinating to hear that even in healthy families, mm -hmm. healthy, good relationship families, teenagers just have anxiety of trying to keep up mm -hmm. with mom and dad. Right. And I'm not going to say we need to fix that right here and now. I no. just want to say just as a parent, pause and think about that. Mm -hmm. You know, pause and think about like what standard am I creating mm -hmm. unknowingly mm -hmm. in my kid? Right. Dan, who was um, the first episode of the series, mm -hmm. talked about, you know, shifting standards mm -hmm. that a lot of we, we use each other as standards mm -hmm. and we look to. Um, fallible, sinful people as standards. He's like, mm -hmm. we should always shift our standard to Jesus. Yes. Always shift it. Yep. And so even though like we could be a good standard, mm -hmm. we're not Christ. Right. Um, so shifting that standard. I'm curious to hear what I would say are trends happening. Mm -hmm. um, and these are, are coming more and more of an issue, the anxiety, the perfectionism, mm -hmm. um, and how that ties into the issue of social media. Mm -hmm. How is, you know, Instagram, Twitter, no, no kids using Facebook, but, or even YouTube or any, any sort right. of sense where they can live vicariously through a screen, right. almost live a second life. Uh-huh. Actually, um, we, we can get into the psychology of it, but how is that affecting that view for that kid? How is that mm -hmm. changing how they experience mm -hmm. these relationships, mm -hmm. um, either the relationship with themselves mm -hmm. or the relationship with their peers and their mm -hmm. parents and everybody around them? Mm -hmm. It's one of those things that, of course, as you know, there are pros and cons to everything. And there can be a lot of good in a lot of the social media, you know, the YouTube um, the Instagram, the Facebook, there can be some good. I think what's hard is in my job, I hear so much of the darkness and the negativity mm -hmm. that it's hard for me 
to do diligence to the good when there's just so much negative to it. I feel like, again, much like parents are influencing kids, it's also the child's community, whether it's their church, their school, their neighborhood, um, their group of friends, their parents' groups of friends, if they're on a sports team or they're involved in the arts, whatever, whatever the different communities are, that's also influencing our children. Social media today is so much of an outlet. And it's a way that kids are communicating with one another, but it's not deep, rich relationships. Mm-hmm. It's, I feel like it fills the void. It uh, fills the silence. It keeps them not bored. It keeps them kind of checking in with a friend, but it's not a true engaging. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other piece of that, it depends on who they're also following on Instagram or YouTube. Because again, a lot of those people are look perfect and here's a great example dude perfect so fun i'm a huge fan i have an 11 year old son who is obsessed those guys are awesome guys yeah what kids don't see are the the amount of um, hours that they've put into perfecting you know getting the basketball in the basket at the top of this eight-story building or throwing the keys across the kitchen to land on this tiny little hook and so kids see that and I think can easily think, that's amazing. I wish I could be like that. Not seeing all the effort and practice that went into it. They right. just see the, the end result. And I think kids give up easily. You've got the kids that definitely persevere just by who they are. But majority of kids won't. Makeup tutorials, so fun. They're so fun. But girls are becoming more and more obsessed. And if you notice today, a lot of makeup tutorials are men. Mm. They are men that are teaching people how to apply makeup. So it's a very different message. Also, I think certain people that are famous that our kids are following are not the role models that we really want our children to follow. And that can really hinder our kids and how they think and what they believe. And again, what we were talking about, that standard or what you're aspiring to be. Going back to relationships, I just don't think, again, kids know how to enter into conflict with friends. They don't know how to have a reconciling or a reconciliation with someone that they've hurt or they've harmed or vice versa. Mm. Because again, when it's a quick text or it's a quick message on Instagram, it's like that checklist, like check, I did, I did what I needed to do instead of really entering in the other pieces. There's no tone of voice. I know that that's always spoken about, but there's, there's a lack of a tone of voice. And I think tone is so important, not just with, not just the words we say, because we need to be loving and kind and respectful, but a tone goes along with it. And I think kids really miss that and they miss that mirroring. My my mind is running a mile yeah. a minute. Uh, you said a lot there. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of things that come from this. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of things that come from social media. Yeah. Uh, let's break it up a little bit. Let's do it. One. Let's let's affirm mm-hmm. what what is what is good about this for our kids. What is mm-hmm. good about this for teenagers or even adults, mm-hmm. whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, let's focus on teens because that's that's our um, our our group that we're trying mm-hmm. to to care for. Mm-hmm. What is good about why should teenagers engage in social media? Do you have a grasp on that? Do you feel like at the kids that come to sit with you in counseling? Uh, what comes out of counseling? Is there anything you're like, mm-hmm. I'm so glad social media is there for mm-hmm. you? I will break it down. If I'm getting to be too nitty gritty, tell me. When it comes to Instagram, I don't mind Instagram for a senior, junior, maybe sophomore. Okay. Because those are those later high school years. They're about to springboard into college or into the world, whatever's next for them. So to be able to navigate a little bit of life through Instagram, I think that's a really good time with parents looking at everything they see. I'm a firm believer if a parent's paying for it, a parent can look at it. That smartphone, the moment we give our children smartphones is the moment they are going to look at pornography. Mm. Whether they know about it or not, to have filters in place to 
be able to just check your child's Instagram account, I think is fine. It's not like they're looking for the skeletons in the closet or, you know, dirty secrets. That's not what I'm saying. But it's just, it's an accountability of, are the people that you're conversing with being kind, loving, and respectful? And are you also being kind, loving, and respectful? And also, who are you following? Do you even know who you're following? We live in a time that there are so many predators around who are masking themselves as children or teenagers, and they are not safe. So that's one piece. When it comes to freshmen, eighth grade, seventh grade, I'm just really hesitant because yes, at some point they're going to enter into social media, but does it have to be that young? That's a lot of pressure. A lot of yucky things happen. Kids say things on social media. Again, we're going with Instagram. They say things that they don't realize have really negative consequences. Take for instance, a kid who's mad at another kid and says, just go kill yourself. Yeah. Well, the kid saying that does not realize what he is saying. He doesn't realize what's going on in the other kid's life, Yeah. how that other kid's going to receive it. And even if the kid that sent it is like, I was just joking. It's like that you are not ready to have a social media account. Again, parents are going to do what they want to do. Kids are going to typically do what they want to do, sadly, because parents don't want to engage yeah. in conflict and they don't want an argument. But I'm just not a fan of social media for kids ninth grade and younger. I will tell you, I am definitely not a fan of Snapchat. I would (laughs) so badly love to sit down with the creators of Snapchat and just ask, what was your heart behind making this? Truly. Because you have created something that someone can post, and when the other person receiving it opens it, it then disappears. So clearly, it's like, what can we get away with? Is yeah. kind of the, I think, the motivation right. behind yeah. it. Secondly, if the person receiving something inappropriate, a nude picture, pornography, a threat, whatever it is, they screenshot it, the person that's just sent that Snapchat will receive a message saying, the person receiving this has just snap, uh, screenshotted it. So then that person gets scared. Like, what are you going to do with that? Yeah. You're going to hold it against me. So the kid that sent it in the first place is now feels threatened, uh-huh. even though that wasn't supposed to be a threat. But that kid is probably going to go show his mom and dad or dad, hopefully. I just am not a fan of Snapchat. I don't see any good in it. And I hear a lot of parents say, well, but my my daughter won't have any friends if she's not on Snapchat. What, what what's, what's going on there? Why, right. why would a parent feel that way? Or right. why would a kid feel that way? Well, I do think that some kids can be invited to, hey, let's go, let's go hang out at the mall and grab some pizza. Yeah. West County Mall, Friday night, 6 o'clock, meet by California Pizza Kitchen. Mm-hmm. Send it out as a Snapchat. Okay. But the thing is, you could, in a friend group, friends are looking out for each other. That's the thing. The whole purpose of social media is really connection and I would hope relationship, right? So if that's happening, surely someone in your friend group would know, hey, I'm not on Snapchat. Would you just let me know when something's going on and shoot me a text, right? I just think that there are other ways to navigate. It doesn't have to be this black or white, all or nothing. I can't tell my daughter to get off Snapchat because then she won't have a social life. I disagree with that. I definitely think kids can have a social life without having social media or having certain accounts or not having Snapchat. I know it's a little bit of a soapbox. I'm sure there are a lot of people who think I'm being legalistic, but the thing is the kids that don't have Snapchat at Westminster aren't in my office all the time. Yeah. The kids that don't have social media accounts aren't in my office all the time. The kids that (laughs) don't even have a phone in middle school are not in my office all the time. So it's just something to look at. The other piece too is I know kids at some point are going to see horrific violence, pornography, see things that we as parents or adults really, really long for them not to see. My stance is I would much rather an 18-year-old brain see pornography than a 13-year-old brain. Yeah. yeah. I would much, not that I want the 18-year-old to see pornography, but we have smartphones, we have iPads, we have computers, technology is everywhere. And a lot of schools today, you have to have a laptop or an iPad. 
that is where academia is going. It really is becoming paperless. And the more I've learned about it, it's fascinating. It is fascinating. However, if you can put restrictions on so many things, do it. But if you can withhold technology from your children a little while longer, why not do it? I would much rather my children be protected from seeing certain things than to give in just because I'm so scared that they're not going to have a social life. Mm. We as parents are called to provide and protect. And that means saying no. And that means entering into that conflict or that argument and being the adult and saying, I love you. You don't have to like me. You don't have to approve of what I'm saying. But I'm doing this and I'm doing it for your own good. And we can discuss this at certain times if you need to discuss it, but I'm not talking about it all the time. Mm. And I'm not debating you all the time. Yeah. I will also say the other piece is pornography today is evil. I mean, it is satanic. You know, even just 10 years ago, if you Googled, and not to be disrespectful or offensive to those listening, but if you Googled breasts, you would probably get pictures of breasts, more medical type pictures, um, or art. You do that now, you get violent pornography or violent pornographic pictures, some of them with children. So it's a very different time we live in. It's mm. not... It's, it's much more aggressive. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes, and it's it's heartbreaking to know what some of these kids have seen, and they probably cannot even comprehend what they just looked at, much less go to mom and dad and say, can I tell you what I just saw? Because a lot of moms and dads probably haven't seen that. Yeah. And so it's, it is hard to digest. Yeah. Yeah, it's one of those things that... It's no longer you have to go looking for it. It's coming looking for you. Absolutely. And, and it's and it's attacking you. Absolutely. Um, and, and that's when you say demonic, that, that's exactly mm-hmm. how the enemy works. It's um, they are acting to, to bring you down. Mm-hmm. And, and that's where a shift has happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, social media can be a catalyst to that. It mm-hmm. is opening another door. There are several doors that you could open. Right. This. It's opening another door door Mm -hmm. into that realm and so when you you say yes to your kid to open up a social media account all the good things you're Mm -hmm. opening up to Mm -hmm. um you're also opening up to the bad things Mm -hmm. and so you know whatever decision that is Mm -hmm. just just no weighing both Mm -hmm. sides is what i'm hearing you say right is worthwhile. I, I for one, you know, I work in youth ministry. I hate social media. Mm-hmm. I've, I tell everybody that. Mm-hmm. Um, I got rid of Facebook mm-hmm. uh, as soon as I could. I didn't even open up my, when fr- Facebook first became a thing, I, I waited about four years and then I wasn't going to get one. And then someone opened an account for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I did nothing on it mm-hmm. other than just look at other people's accounts, mm-hmm. which I was like, there was actual stress mm-hmm. having a social media account. Yeah. This was back when Facebook was like the only thing. Yeah. There was stress that came with it mm-hmm. uh, of, of obligations to post pictures, yep. uh, praise my wife. Yep. Like I have to praise my wife. It's her birthday. <laughs> so I have to leave this long message of why she's amazing. It's like, she is those things, right. but I don't want to feel obligated to post that on Facebook. You for, just go tell her. Yeah. To like, her face. So and it's like, and who... Who's going to look at that? I'm sure some people will, and they will be like, that's so great that you love your wife that way. But Mm -hmm. I got rid of my Facebook because every last bit of it was an obligation Mm -hmm. to me. Mm -hmm. So I I dislike social media Mm -hmm. in general. Mm -hmm. I'm also a guy who would would love to get rid of cars and go back to horses, but that's just – that's a different story. Get a (laughs) little So with everything else, we do have social media accounts that we use mm-hmm. with the student ministry because there mm-hmm. are effective things about it. There and it are. is a good way to connect with mm-hmm. a mass group of people and, it's, and to, yep. and to it's tell fast. a story, yep. to like to market, to market. It's wonderful to do, for marketing. It is so good in so many ways. Mm-hmm. But as soon as it becomes an obligation or becomes a crutch mm-hmm. or, or a stumbling block mm-hmm. into or sinfulness. causing stress. Yeah, causing stress. That is, it is it. okay 
Um, I encourage kids all the time. It's like, you don't have to delete your account. Mm -hmm. Just take it off your phone for mm -hmm. a while and yeah. see what the difference is. Absolutely. We are actually, I, this is not set in stone, but one, I want to have a mental health week at Westminster that faculty, staff, parents, and students just go off social media for yeah. one week. That's it. You don't have to do it, but those that do it, let's do it. Let's yeah. go off and let's just see what happens yeah. because the cycle is so crazy. It's like they're on social media. They get so consumed with it. They start hating themselves because they're comparing themselves and measuring themselves to whatever it is they're looking at. Then they can't sleep. Anxiety is ramping up. They go see a doctor. They get on some medicine. Uh -huh. They're still looking at social media that's still ramping them up. They increase their anti-anxiety med. Like it's just this crazy cycle of like, have you thought about going off social media? Mm -hmm. Nope. Well, that might help. Yeah. <laughs> it's one thought. The other thing I was going to also say to you is um, I too, I went on, I got on Facebook early and then I got off. It caused anxiety. And then about two summers ago, I thought, you know, I'm so sick of reading the news. I'm going to open an Instagram account. I am not following my friends and they are not following me. I'm just going to go pursue beauty. So I started following like Tuscany and England, uh, English countrysides and the Mediterranean Sea and fun little yoga sites. And I um, do like to cook. And so yeah. just following... Well, it is crazy how what started off as something really sweet and good by this past May 2018, I was so consumed with just checking on the people I was following yeah. that I thought, oh, my, what started out to be something good and as a respite for me away from the news became all consuming and I couldn't, I couldn't not look at Instagram and I was like, and I'm out. Yeah. I just, I I am not good with social media. I'm out. It's not good for my heart, soul, or mind. And you're an adult. I'm an adult. <laughs> and I, truly, it's like it, if I have 30 minutes to scroll, yeah. you for sure know I have 30 minutes to sit down and pray for a lot of people that need yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. 29 minutes of it really needs to be for me. But I, it's like where, where are we as believers spending our time? Yeah. And that's a big piece and it goes back to that protecting and providing our kids providing for our kids like I don't want my children to see me on my phone swiping up yeah. but when they get up in the morning and they're watching me have a quiet time not that that's what it's all about but it's like that means a lot to me for them to see mom reading the bible before they're even up yeah that that to me speaks volumes or for my kids to look over on an afternoon and see their dad reading the word and just praying with his eyes closed. That, I want my kids to see that. I want them to know that's why we're here. That's why we're here on this earth. It's not to get all your streaks and it's not to get all the likes and it's not to please everybody in order to be liked. It, we are here for the Lord and we are here to learn that he loves us, not for anything we've done. And I'm not going to get that yeah. By going to social media. Yes, you can, but you're going to get it more face-to-face -face yeah. interactions or watching people in the flesh. Hmm. So again, back to the standard of the parents, you know, what standard are, are they setting? And, it is. Um, I think parents are really adults. We are really insecure yeah. because we didn't grow up with all of this Well, and that, That's the other thing. It's like parents and adults um, in general struggle with this and... They know what it's like to be without it, and yet it's like yeah. there's still something about social media that just captures yep. the whole person. Mm -hmm. I have to tell you about an experiment I ran when I was at Westminster. I ran a hypothesis, and I still believe it is it, it is true to this day. I have some backing to it, but okay. when I was the, the cross-country coach uh -huh. um, for four years at Westminster, I've been cross-country coach for about 10 years now. The the development is, and I've been a part of the sport for 20 years, so let's, uh -huh. let's just back way up. The development is injuries are on a rise mm -hmm. um, in all sports, all yes. sports across the board, especially with uh, the amount of middle school sports. I've coached middle school sports for about seven, eight years. I am amazed that any middle schooler gets injured in the actual sport. I'm not amazed that they get injured just because 
Right. They're middle schoolers. Right. Um, but getting injured in the sport from the sport is uh-huh. baffling to me. But let's talk about high school sports is they there's more injury than there ever has been. Mm-hmm. You know, to see a, a high schooler get Tommy John surgery um, from overuse. But mm-hmm. um, for my sport, cross country and track, mm-hmm. I pinned it on one thing. And uh, to, to tie it in, I pinned it to social media. Hmm. And here's why. I want to hear this. Um, I pinned the issue of youth sport injuries to social media because while a kid is in no more busier than I was in high school, mm-hmm. I, I'm, I firmly believe that. I'm like, there's no way you were busier than me. I did three sports. Uh-huh. I was in three bands. Uh-huh. Um, I was in photography, art class. I went to a very highly academic high school. Mm-hmm. And so I had calculus. I had all the same types of classes that all these kids. I'm like, you're no busier than I was in high school. Right. I may not have been the perfectionist mm-hmm. um, that kids are today, but you were no, if anything, I was way busier than you. Yeah. And I had a social life yeah. and I had girlfriends. I had all that stuff. Um, it's like I was, Plural. Girlfriends, I, plural. Yeah, like well, yeah, let's not, get, let's not get into that. Um, <laughs> that's a bit of my testimony. Um, anyway, so the, the, these kids are no more busier than I was in high school. And so right. I was trying to wrap my brain, like, what is different? And it had to be, I didn't get a cell phone in general till college. Uh-huh. Um, and I didn't get my first smartphone until I had graduated college. So. Mm-hmm. But that's the big difference there. Yes. I'm like, okay, that's, that's got to be it, and what about it? These kids who have the same amount of workload, the same amount of stuff, slightly different expectations of perfectionism, as we've named, but they're, they're holding that, that, that level of perfectionism while also trying to maintain a social media life yep. simultaneously. Yep. And so while they're doing homework, they're checking their phone. Yep. They do three problems, somebody sends a text. Yep. They do another three problems. I need a break. Even if it's a five-minute social media break, those add up. It increases the pressure. It keeps them staying up a little bit later. But what it's actually doing, it is breaking their train of thought while they're supposed to be concentrating on one thing. Mm -hmm. They're breaking their train of thought in these what I call micro breaks. Mm -hmm. And so every micro break creates another start up of what they actually need to be focused yep. on. And we're, we're kind of, we yes. are human beings and we need to like get momentum to get going into things. Yeah. Um, and so when you have to do that constantly, you stay up later than you have to. Yep. It creates more stress. And then at the moment you start staying up later and you keep having to start over, mm-hmm. um, you have lack of sleep. Yep. You sleep a whole lot worse. Yeah. And when the leading cause to injury uh, generally is just not recovering well. Mm-hmm. And so you're greatest time of recovery is your overnight sleep pattern. You disrupt that, you disrupt your whole rest period. And then when you enter into youth sports of today where there's more um, pressure with that, of course, injury is going to be on the rise. And so here was the experiment I ran. I ran that hypothesis and I said uh, to our athletes who had, we had a very good team that mm-hmm. year mm-hmm. and we wanted to run for the state title i said if you want to really make a run at it mm-hmm. let's let's go off of social media as a group mm-hmm. for a week love it and what was amazing was all the kids said yes please uh-huh but because we're we worked with minors we have to get the approval from the parents yeah and we go to the parents said hey we want to do this are your kids say yes uh-huh we think here's why it's a good thing 100% of the parents came back and said, absolutely not. Why would they say that? Because they want to stay connected with their own kid. Hmm. And so what has become the biggest issue has also become our only source of communication wow. um, with each other. And I'm not sure what to do with that. I left baffled. Yeah, Just I'm baffled in your presence. Baffled by Holy it. cow. One, I was like, I can't believe I ran that whole experiment. Two... For it to get shut down by the parents who want their kids to succeed uh-huh. more than anybody and who want their kids to be great athletes mm-hmm. and to do well. And for somebody to come in and say, hey, this could be the leading cause mm-hmm. to all of these problems. Let's just take a week and see what happens. Mm-hmm. And there was this 
uh, overwhelming sense from the parents for them all to say, I don't want to be disconnected. Hmm. For a parent to say that, Absolutely. not the kid. The right. kid, the kids were like, sure, Please, yeah. whatever I got to do. That's really, I, I'm actually very amazed by that. What, what do you think is going on? I think you're right. I think, I think you're right about all of that, and I am Team John, because the fact that parents are saying, it's my only way to connect with my child, I'm thinking, there's so many other avenues. It's that whole, like, I don't want it to sound like I'm up here and these parents are below me. That is not what I'm saying. This is level playing ground. I'm in this with them. But there are so many other avenues to talk to your children. You can even send them a text. But that really, I really, it really baffles me. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I really am baffled. So do you believe we, we are so far in it, we can't remove ourselves? No. Okay. I think we're so far in it, parents don't know how to parent. What does that mean? Meaning they don't know how to tell their child no. They don't know how to go out to dinner without giving their toddler a smartphone. You know, toddlers are going to they're going to wail and they're going to freak out. But what are we doing to teach our children? You know what? We're at a really nice restaurant right now and everyone here did not say, "Ooh, I hope when we go out tonight that there's a screaming 4-year-old right next to us while we're enjoying our dinner." No one wants to hear this. I'm sorry you're upset. Let's pick our dinner and let's do this and then we're going to have a conversation. I just don't think a lot of us adults know how to tell our children no or enter into the struggle or the argument that, no, this is not going to happen. This is what's going to happen, and you are going to obey me or there's a consequence. I think there's a lack of parenting. Hmm. And that's that whole protecting, providing, protecting, providing, because that's also teaching our children how to have a conversation, how to enter into a struggle and work through it. Oh, I just, that's what I think is. I think we're so far in that parents, parents are addicted as much as the kids and they don't want to give it up. I also think we don't know what to do with being bored. I don't know. That's why so much is out there about mindfulness and those blank color pages with the pencils of like, enjoy just coloring these little scenes yeah. just to be mindful and be still. Well, we don't have to go find that from just to be still. It's like you can put this little piece of technology away and it's going to be hard. Relationships are hard. Family is hard. Conversations are hard. I believe if a kid knows my mom and dad are in this with me and they love me no matter what and I'm going to screw up and make mistakes, but my mom and dad are not turning their backs on me so I can enter into this too. Yeah, that's, I think that's so much of what we've lost Adults are scared. Yeah. So this isn't this isn't peer to peer. This isn't teen to teen. This is a um, culture wide issue mm -hmm. of we've all become zombies. Really, zo zombies. Um, social media zombies. Or mm -hmm. and I also want to expand how we we think of social media. Yeah. Really, I think we've started to shift as a culture. It's it's less social media, more just screen time. Yep. You, you know, you use the word anytime you're on a screen, mm -hmm. anytime you're watching mm -hmm. somebody mm -hmm. and they're not physically there, mm -hmm. you're, you're, there's a disconnect. Yep. Um, and so it has the same type of repercussions. Right. And so we got to think of social media as much more than Instagram, Snapchat, Twitter, right. all that type of stuff. It's, you're correct. Uh, yes. That is definitely what has like tipped mm -hmm. us over. Mm -hmm. But it is, it is so much more that we're in front of screens more than we've, we've ever been Absolutely. in our lives. And Absolutely. so um, that changes how we interact. There's a, it, just imagine, you know, trying to maintain a healthy relationship with a person who is behind a window. Mm -hmm. Right. You can have a lot of interaction, mm -hmm. but when you cannot physically be with them, right. um, be present with them, it changes the relationship. It does. You can always see them. Mm -hmm. They're always to be seen, mm -hmm. but you can never actually get to them. Right. And so what, is that, what does that do for a relationship? Uh, this has been so fascinating. Mm -hmm. This has been incredible to talk about this from your perspective, somebody who sees the immediate impact mm -hmm. of kids who, who feel these struggles, mm -hmm. or maybe the parents feel the struggles and say, mm -hmm. you have to go see the counselor. Right. And you, you're on the front line of, of the issue. And what you're saying is, is you know, there is a peer-to-peer -peer problem mm -hmm. 
And that is what we're quick to, to run to, to mm -hmm. say, we got to fix that peer-to-peer -peer problem. But it really starts at the standard, which mm -hmm. is the parents, the parents and, absolutely. Uh, and the adults. And, and the you home. Know, I, I'm held accountable to that as well as mm -hmm. a youth leader. Mm -hmm. I am one person who is present in the life of these teens. Right. And so I need to be a standard yep. um, as well that they're looking to me on what I do. Right. Um, and it is... It is hard, and, and it's really hard. I make it a point, you know, I get students all the time saying, you know, why haven't, why did it take you two days to respond to me? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, two days right. is, is not that much time, and right. there was no deadline, so it was just mm -hmm. like, uh, it was just like an open-ended question, and, mm -hmm. you know, I have a lot of other things. Mm -hmm. I also have kids. Mm -hmm. I also, if I'm to be intentional with anybody, yeah. I can't always be looking at my phone, and Right. I think we can all recognize that, but do yeah. we all live to that? And I am so guilty mm -hmm. of being on my phone or it, responding to emails or, you know, even when I get home, being exhausted, just wanting to watch TV as right. opposed to. Um, so now we're getting into the whole right. technology issue mm -hmm. in and of itself, and that's a different path. But um, is there anything that you know, from your seat that you think needs to be said that you say, what is, we've, we've kind of named the problem. What are some good steps of mm -hmm. action mm -hmm. that parents can take mm -hmm. to, to help alleviate the problem or mm -hmm. enter into the situation mm -hmm. a little bit better? Definitely find out your child's, what social media accounts they have and their passwords. Not for all, not just to always look for the scary stuff, but it's just good to always be able to log in and just check on your children. I believe that saying all screens are to be put away in a certain location, you know, the family can pick a time, but I think 9 or 10 o'clock is completely appropriate. That way it takes away any temptation of a child looking at things they shouldn't in their bedroom or responding to texts or Instagram or Snapchat or whatever it is that, you know, whatever social media outlet they're on so that they have a chance for their brain to just wind down from being on the screen. Because our brains were not made to look at these screens for long periods of time. So if I were to turn this device off at 9 o'clock and put it up, that at least gives my brain an hour or two before I need to go to sleep. Let's, let's just say 10.30 or 11. And the temptation's not there the want to respond to someone's not there like it's a family rule we're just putting it away you can get this the next morning at five thirty six, whatever whatever the family rule is mm -hmm. and each little family nucleus needs to decide what their own rules are and i know some parents again going back to that rule of checking check your child's social media check their texts check their emails it's not like they're writing in a a diary and they're sticking it between the mattresses. Mm -hmm. That's a whole different ballgame. That is something that that child really just wants to write. They're, you know, whether they're confessing or they're praying for someone or they have a crush or whatever it is, that's different. When it is on a device that all of that stuff is going into the cloud and who knows who is running the cloud and one day who's going to release all that information from the cloud yeah. that we're going to all be able to see. Yeah. I just feel like we have to protect our kids. And so, you know, for the, for parents to check that is fine. Mm -hmm. I'm checking my daughters, and again, I'm not looking for dirt. I'm just making sure, are people talking respectfully to you, and are you talking respectfully to other people? Are these pictures that they're sending appropriate? Because even the little Giphy app that you have on our phone, yeah. there's soft porn yeah. pictures. I yeah, mean, you absolutely. know, it's like I just need to make sure. And I'm doing it because I'm protecting her, and I love her, and I want to enter into conversation with her if by chance she messes up or someone messes up with her that I can point out and name hey this was not okay I know there wasn't a tone of voice to this but to me this sounds really negative can we talk about it it just provides for really good conversation I do have some great book recommendations yeah um, great, great. Uh, good pictures bad pictures by Kristen Jensen j-e-n-s-o-n Basically, it's about proofing your children from pornography, mm. and it's teaching children to name what's a good picture, what's a bad picture, and what do I need to stay away from. What's sad is she's come out with another one called Good Pictures, Bad Pictures, Junior, because children, young, you know, 
these kids are starting to look at things at younger yeah. and younger ages. Yeah. Um, and so that one's just good pictures, bad pictures, junior. That's a really good one. I know I've talked a good bit about parenting and I really, I, I'm hoping that I have not sounded like a bash on parents, but I, I do believe we, we've taken some steps back and we're buying into what our culture is selling rather than going against the grain, rather than being godly parents and saying, I'm saying no to this and I'm standing up for my family and we as a family are not going to do this. For parents, I believe we need to be back on our knees. We need to be praying for our children. We need to be walking through the house, praying for our children, praying over their rooms, praying for their friends, really kids and their friendships it's vital who they're hanging out with because that's the greatest influence Mm. and what are those friends looking at because I can be doing it all right for my kid but my kid goes over to somebody's house I don't know what their rules are so just really praying for those friendships being in the gospel really getting back into the word and whether it's you know some parents are probably thinking like I the bible bores me well yeah because it's not this flashy little instagram account yeah that go to the jesus storybook bible it can you can get back to the basics and get back to that relationship with christ and and living for him and letting him pour into you so you can pour into your children yeah so um some really great parenting books um some authors are sissy goff g-o-f-f Melissa Trevathan um, and David Thomas, they all write books together. They're out of Nashville, Tennessee, um, with a ministry called Daystar Ministries. They have really amazing parenting books for boys, girls, and just parenting today. And it's just beautiful. I highly recommend them. They're on Amazon. And then, of course, it sounds cheesy in the book. I know can it is dated, but I, f- I hear so many women moms in my office that have lost have lost the understanding of God pursuing us and so that book captivating by Stacy Eldridge I just feel like is another base get back to the basics of understanding who we are in Christ because if we can't help our children understand that because we don't understand it ourselves then we need to get back to that and of course anything by Tim Keller I mean I'm a huge fan <laughs> I am the biggest fan and I know yeah. it's I'm probably overdoing it but again not to beat a dead horse but getting back to what are our kids reading and what are they looking at yeah it would spark some really great conversation we just yeah. need to enter into their worlds yeah that's exactly it You're entering in it is the hardest time to enter into a kid's life it in is. the teenage years because these are the years that they're pulling away these are the years they're pulling away for the first time on a deep hurtful level um, yes. And that's why as parents uh, are, are quick to, you know, either pause and mm-hmm. ask what's going on mm-hmm. or to withdraw mm-hmm. um, and let kind of their, mm-hmm. their culture mm-hmm. uh, dictate. Um, I'm not saying any of our parents are doing that. I'm just saying that is a, a common theme among just psychologically speaking, mm-hmm. um, a common theme of the, the relationship between teenagers and parents it's normal but not healthy and right. it is a piece of, of a broken relationship that is hard uh, but it is a reality mm-hmm. and at, at our conference in March we will hopefully take what we've talked he- about here mm-hmm. uh, we'll t- take um, that piece of the broken relationship and show how does the gospel play into that what mm-hmm. happens when you enter in with the gospel, mm-hmm. when you change your standard mm-hmm. uh, from you know the the fallible, sinful person, and you you shift the standard to Jesus right. um, in the life of a home mm-hmm. of parents and teenagers mm-hmm. in broken relationships. Mm-hmm. And if you have not registered for that, please come to that. We will have copies of all of these resources at the conference. So if you want to thumb through them, uh, we have asked all of our our podcast guests to provide resources. We will purchase these um, and have copies of them for our library and the student ministry, but uh, you can take a look at them if you want to purchase them on your own at the conference. And so, Molly, it has been great. Um, We thank you for your work as a counselor and working with teenagers on the front line in some of the hardest times of being a teenager. So thank you for what you do. Thank you for being with us. Mm -hmm. It has been a delight. So thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Oh, 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 oh,